0: This is the Fedora Chronicles Network. This time on the Fedora Chronicles radio show, I talked to John Pica from the Dieselpunk podcast and Anthony Sakovich from Aethertopia about the current political climate that is ruining nerd-slash-geek events, the concepts of deplatforming and boxing, and the fallout from the steampunk political guillotine machine. This is the Fedora Chronicles radio show number 98, released Friday, August 1st, 2019. And I'm your host, Eric Render King Fisk. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. The time,
1: the power, hour, for folks who
0: me, uh, I'm Eric King Fisk, the founder, webmaster, bottle washer, chief waiter, and um, lone gigolo at the Fedora Chronicles. And the whole point in doing this website, and podcast, and everything else that I've I've been doing for the people who are listening is that I wanted to do a website where it, it retrocentrics. Jazzier aficionados, steampunks, diesel punks can just talk about anything and deal with real issues. Uh, on the phone or the the Skype here with me is John Pica, founder and host of uh, the Diesel Punk Podcast. John, say hello. Hello. <laughs> so everybody, everybody who listens to this podcast should know the Diesel Punk Podcast, and we have a very special guest. Anthony Sakovich. And there's a strange um, background story about Anthony. Anthony and I knew each other back in the late 80s, early 90s at the science fiction convention circuit here in the Northeast, at least the Northeast area for me. If I'd go to a convention, an SF convention in the Northeast, there was Anthony. And Anthony used to run these really great trivia questions at these conventions
1: (laughs) oh my god it's wonderful being remembered uh no i used to work at um jeff maynard's booth all the time uh we used to do the creation cons and everything else jeff had new eye studio yes and i would just have a blast working you know back there behind the scenes with him and it was it was a lot of fun because uh Although I've, I've given it up uh, with all the extra franchises now, uh, one of the best things that we used to do was I would give anybody $50 in free merchandise if they could stump me on a Star Trek trivia question.
0: God knows I tried.
1: And nobody ever succeeded.
0: <laughs> because you, True you, fact. Because you used to go uh, <laughs> get deep cuts, too. You used to, like like, really deep... What was the name of the assistant director in the episode... City on the edge of forever.
1: Yeah. And, of course, now it's just like, oh, yeah, I remember that episode. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) That was the one with uh, Joan Collins, right? Right. Uh, uh, But back then it was, I I used to just eat, sleep, and breathe Star Trek. Yep. And, uh, you know, we we created uh, Next Gen Activewear, which was the uh, sweatshirts that looked like the uniform tops. Yep. And those were incredibly popular. That was, uh, I created the patterns, I cut the fabric. Uh, We would make hundreds of those every month and then take them out to the shows. And Jeff was our exclusive dealer on those. And he had them in his catalog and he had them, you know, at the shows. And we could not keep them in stock. Yeah. We sold thousands of those to Star Trek fans because you could take the pins off and wear them, as a, a casual sweatshirt. Exactly.
0: The that's, that's, and
1: the only people who would recognize it were other Star Trek fans.
0: Exactly. Yep. So, but Uh-oh. now now you've moved oh, on, Christ. and the last time we yes. had you on the podcast, John, I don't know if you remembered, um, if you if you heard the podcast, Anthony came on the show to tell us about the success of Aethertopia and what a oh. great success it was. And um, you just can't wait. You couldn't wait for Aethertopia... 2019 right so for just a a, a quick aside what is or what was aethertopia
1: aethertopia is a celebration of the genius of steampunk makers um even back with star trek one of the things i used to love to do was make props and costumes and and that was that was a big part of what i of of what motivates me You know, to be involved with uh, science fiction, fantasy, all of that, and is being able to make the stuff myself. And steampunk is really probably the epitome, the the central focus of a maker movement where uh, anybody can make anything out of just about anything. And it's the challenge of it that is so much fun. And because it's coming out of your own imagination, you can't get it wrong. Uh, so we decided to have a, a celebration. Uh, we took a very large event space down here in 2018, um, broke even, did okay. Um, and then come 2019, um, there were a combination of factors that just kept hitting us from left and right and top and bottom. Um, the, the fairgrounds, which is where we had our, uh, event, um, didn't give us our date. Until three months after last year's schedule. You know, it's like corresponding time. They were three months late getting us our date. Then they were, you know, another month after that to get us our contract. And we weren't allowed to sell tickets until we had the contract signed and paid for. And so we were so far behind schedule when we even got started. Um, And then Mega Conglomerate, I mean uh, MegaCon, they set their sights on us. And ran a big ad campaign uh, to try and because they they were about three or four weeks before us down here. We we are very heavily convention saturated down here, um, and they you know you could see on our ticket sales exactly when they started their campaign, and it just it just took the wind out of our sails. And I mean that s a l e s and s a i l s. Uh, and so we had to postpone the event this year uh, temporarily. It felt terrible. I had to cancel it for that weekend, and it just could not come through. Uh, but we are now in the midst of you know re, uh, rebooking um, the spaces that we need to do what we need to do, and it's looking actually better, much better than we had imagined it before. So it's still going to go off in 2019. Um, It's just going to be a couple of months late.
0: John, you have had issues with organizing events. Have you had problems similar to that? Like just the first problem is nailing down the venue, of course.
2: Well, I've been pretty lucky in that um, I don't know what it is. Maybe I have a Svengali-like charm. But uh, I can walk into a venue and say, hey, give us this venue. And they're like, okay. So I've never had a problem getting a venue. Um, But, you know, and I've never encountered uh, an attack from a corporate con. However, I I think we're going to wade into other waters with Anthony. Yes, we are. (laughs) And the other kind of attacks that Mm -hmm. I am all too familiar with
0: which is exactly the reason why yeah. i wanted to get the two of you guys here together yeah. because you two you two are the guys i know who know how to run events you guys are not slackers you guys are professional when it comes to event planning and i have noticed in the past three years just weird things happening in the realm of conventions and um, I've had conversations with other people about this, this topic, about, I mean, we've talked about, like, what's wrong with steampunk? And another thing that we've talked about is that what's wrong with steampunk and how come it hasn't affected diesel punk yet? And for folks who should, all, should know, I've written a series of articles about the death of steampunk. And I've chose the the phrase the death of steampunk because it's sensational and I admit that up front. But there is a problem with steampunk whether it's fading or it's waxing or it's changing into something else. But nerd events I I see them collapsing.
2: Yeah, so <clears throat> I've been predicting that the bubble would break on the uh, convention Uh, you know the convention phenomenon for about three years you know I I thought it would happen sooner than it has but we are definitely on the verge of that bubble breaking now we're seeing conventions that were you know once these mega cons folding up and going away we're seeing um, you know cons coming in uh, failing in their first year and vanishing (laughs) And a lot of that is because of, you know, the corporate cons, you know, going after little ones. But that only happens in the cities where those corporate cons are going to be or near where they're going to be. The real death of the convention um, phenomenon has been what I call toxic fandom. You know, I've said it on this podcast before that everything is awesome and nobody is happy about it. And it seems like that geek culture community is just eating each other alive and i blame that for the downfall and the demise of convention culture look there was a a convention in nashville two weeks ago i and i used the word convention in air quotes yes it, it's a 13 year old convention that at its height it was always a small convention but at its height, it had, you know, 600 people. Um, this year, they had less than 100. The, the, the estimates that we got, Eric, were yeah. 100. But eyewitnesses have, have said that it was probably closer to, to 60.
0: Yeah. And a lot of that, and if you want to mention the name of the convention, you can. Because I've talked about it on the Fedora Chronicles radio show for the past couple of months.
2: Well, it it is hypericon, right? And you know, and the reason for that, and they would blame me. <laughs> uh, yes. But the real the real reason for it is that they have allowed toxic fandom to take over their con and to dictate who and what, where, when, and how things are going to be done. They've interjected politics into fandom. They've interjected, you know, social justice into the fandom. And at the end of the day, it's fractured it to the point that that con can never return. It can never recoup. Th- this was a make it or break it year. And they-, they are broke. Yeah. They are broken.
0: On top of everything else with that, they refused yes. to pr- they, First of all, they refused to actually hire an actual promoter. I am the fifth person that I know of who said, let me promote your event. There are four other people that I know of that were event promoters and something happened where they were either quote fired, quote unquote, or they quit. Um, They couldn't nail down the panels in time they they didn't say here are the panels. They did not approve the panelists until I think May eleventh is when I got the email saying my panel had been it had been approved.
2: Well, no, 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 no. Go ahead. They didn't they didn't do final panel approval until a week before. Okay. They they didn't publish anything until the week before. Yeah. Um. And if you'll remember, Eric, yep. yours was a preliminary acceptance. Ah, that's.
0: I forget that word. The preliminary, yes, right. Yes. Okay. So my preliminary. You know, so I'm go I'm ahead. Gonna,
1: I'm gonna go um, a little bit thirty thousand feet here. Okay. Okay. Because you know, I I I think you guys are involved in a lot of conventions. Okay. Yes. And one of the nice things is I get to see them all right here, because we have them back to back to back down here. Where where are you, and, Anthony? I'm I'm down in Tampa Bay. Okay, great. Yeah, we are saturated with fan conventions. Um, Aethertopia, by the way, is not a convention; it is an event. It is different, but that's that's not important because we're all competing for the same uh, entry fee revenue you, you you know stream from a lot of the same people. Um, and what I'm seeing down here is a combination of the toxic fandom, um, which is a serious problem, a very serious problem. People want to uh, use any platform they can and in order to make whatever statement they feel is really important to them. And God love them. I mean, these issues are important to them and I think that's fantastic. But someone else's event is not necessarily the right place for you to to take a stand and and make a platform for yourself. Uh, In addition, it's also, I don't think, appropriate to attack someone that you believe, whether true or not, Is for or against your favorite platform? Because the event that they are putting together, the business they are running, whatever it is, has nothing whatsoever to do with their politics or their personal philosophies or religious convictions. If, unless they come out and, and you know abjectly state that that this is you know this event is about Black Lives Matter. And for the record, I am a proponent of the Black Lives Matter movement. Okay? Yeah. A lot of people don't realize that. I am a proponent of gun control. I wait. am a proponent of all these things.
2: But but wait, wait, Anthony, I yeah. heard you were a Nazi.
1: Yes. <laughs> and when, when those an rumors started coming back to me, I was mortified. On who's got the dog? Not me. I want the dog. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, I I was mortified. Okay, b- because in so many ways, um, I was being attacked, and my event was being attacked because I am a pacifist.
0: Which this is the I hold on a second. Yeah. Let me interject here. Mm-hmm. I have known you for th- off and on for at least 30 years, at least on the periphery. Right. This is the most insane thing I have ever heard in my life that Anthony Sakovich could be a Nazi or a Nazi sympathizer.
1: You know Go ahead. I write, I write an audio drama and uh, the Omega contingent. It is, you know, the steampunk uh, adventure. And it's, it's out on iTunes. The, the villains in it are proto-Nazis. They are, the, they are the eugenicists from the 1870s who were the beginnings of that part of the Nazi movement. And so it is highly unlikely that if I were actually a Nazi or a Nazi sympathizer, that I would make them the villains in my work. I don't know if they think I'm using reverse psychology or something, but you know that, that's really just like everything I do is absolutely 100 percent anti-Nazi.: Yeah. I, I grew up watching Hogan's Heroes, okay? And the reason that's not on anymore is because it made fun of Nazis. Yes. And I think we realized as we get a little bit older, that that probably wasn't a really good idea. Okay, they were not comic relief. And so it it, it's something that grew in me. Was this idea that you you know that, and then of course Indiana Jones just adds to it with his influence in popular culture. Nazis, I hate these guys, you know. And so you wonder, gee, why? And so you go look it up, and you go, oh my god, these people were horrible. Right. What they did was terrible. How did they do it? You know, what was it they were trying to do? What did they stand for? What were their actual party platforms? What you know? And so you learn all these things, and you don't learn it because you want to be an apologist or a sympathizer. You learn it because you realize it was a hundred percent horrifyingly wrong. Right. And so then to turn around and have someone argue with me because I say, no, I'm sorry. I will not punch a Nazi. I will talk to a Nazi.
0: It's not even that. And I will show
1: love to a Nazi. Right. Because I'm not going to get him to change his mind by punching him. I'm going to get him to hit me back.
0: It's not even this is where I think things have gotten so far off the rails. We're like, we're off the rails, through the forest, off the cliff. Mm-hmm. Whereas there is the entire mindset of, punch a Nazi. And you have, uh, and equating people who don't agree with you in your politics. Yes. As, as quote, Nazis. And it's not even, it's the preemptive violence to somebody who you think might walk down the street like if you're walking down the street and you're wearing an orange baseball cap people will will get triggered and and race up to punch you not even seeing if there's any text on the cap at all
1: you know and, and, and this is where another one of these things went on. Somebody was doing their you know, punch-a-Nazi thing. I said, how do you know who's a Nazi today? I just asked him. I said, how do you know? If you have to ask, that means you are one. Exactly. That means you're a sympathizer and an apologist. I'm like, no, no, no. Really, I, I want to know because I don't want to get punched.
0: Exactly.
1: Okay, how do I avoid getting... Well, that just me. It's like, no, it doesn't mean that at all. But your anger is so strong on these issues. You've been pumped up and juiced up and hormoned up so high that anything is an excuse for you to use as an outlet for your anger. And the, the hardest thing is, is to see anyone take that anger and turn it towards someone's, Livelihood yeah or their avocation when it is completely unfounded and or rumored I mean like like with me i had i' I've, I've got this guy down here who's like totally convinced and he goes everywhere and tells everybody that's what I am it's all over his Facebook page okay there is uh another person who got the idea that because I don't because I'm not part of the because I haven't joined the punch a Nazi movement I must be a Nazi yeah. And which is just a horrifying thing, you know. If you don't join us, you're against us. You know who, who uses that mentality? Hmm. Okay.
0: Fascists. I, 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 I kind of
1: remember the Nazis using that mentality. Quite frankly. Yeah. Uh, and it, you know, I I had somebody come to me and call me on the phone. Okay. And 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 he's a pretty big event plugged in person. Okay, down here in Florida. And he called me and he said, look, I, I got to tell you something. I was in a conversation last weekend with a guy who wanted to do a really big steampunk event. And I said, oh, you should work with Anthony Sakovic. And he said, oh, wait a minute. Is that the guy from Aethertopia? And my friend said, yes. You know, he's he's you know, and, and he said some nice things, whether they're true or not. I don't know. But um, but then the guy said, no, no. No, I can't work with him. I heard he's a Nazi. Which- and I don't know what that cost me, but I know that we are trying to work our event persona because, again, it's an event, not a convention, Okay, into various high-profile uh, relationships. And those relationships... Can be the difference between following the rest of these conventions down the slope, okay, towards oblivion where they are headed. Um, a lot of people aren't aware right now, but uh, and, and somehow they've managed to erase it from the psyche. But MegaCon Orlando, um, they had their big event, and they had MegaCon Tampa set up for October, which I mean is you know it's it's two hours down the road. Okay, but they had MegaCon or uh, Tampa set up, and then they quietly just canceled MegaCon Tampa for October. And it's like, whoa, wait a minute, not enough ticket sales, not enough revenue coming in. Okay, and of course these 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 mega conglomerates don't have any commitment to the fan base in the area; they are just there to suck the money out of the market. And if they don't get enough money, they won't go to your market. So you don't, you don't get your event. Right. That's all there is to it. And that's what they did. And they just whoosh, snipped it. So I was just at a big event this weekend, MetroCon down here, which is a local event, draws really good crowds. But you could tell there was something in the air that it was, it was, it was all scaled back. And I mean, I, I know the event organizer – wonderful phenomenal people okay and they put 120 percent into everything they do and what they set up was absolutely over the top brilliant just like it is every year but i'm talking about the fans the fans are scaled back yeah the fans don't have that huge presence of brilliant costuming that you've kind of grown accustomed to seeing the fans aren't showing up. And I think there's, there's two, well, probably three reasons for that. One is the economy. And I don't care what averages and statistics say. The income disparity is horrifying down here uh you know a, a a one bedroom apartment starting down here is over $1000 a month and if you can get a job i know people 50 60 years old working in certified positions they've got to have a certificate to work they're in the healthcare field they're making $9.50 an hour
0: shit pardon my french
1: yeah okay that is way too common down here it is horrifyingly common and so when i had to postpone the event i had people emailing me saying i work at you know walmart okay and i only make eleven dollars an hour and so i had to save up and i had to get this vacation time and i really really need my five hours of payback can you get it to me? Because I won't be able to get the time off again whenever you reschedule. Oh, crap. I am mean, like five hours of labor in order to attend, just walk in the door of an event? And that's just ours. Don't forget, these, these major conventions, they're you know, 50 know $75, $100, 150 okay, depending upon what level you try to get in at. And that just walks you in the door. You know, I was shocked when I discovered they weren't paying... The stars—they weren't paying the talent anymore to be there.
0: No, it's actually—it's actually worse. I want to interject here. Yeah. One of the problems that I had with Hypericon, and I submitted for th- for three for three panels, and yep. then I got the letter back, and they had said that the ticket price at the door was going to be reduced by $10, meaning that I was going to fly down. We actually did the math. We were going to fly down and get a car to haul our audio equipment because as far as I know, where Hypericon was having their event, I don't know or... I don't believe they had audio equipment. And if I was going to record all the panels for podcasts for them, I was going to do a Hypericon podcast for them, mm-hmm. I knew that they did not have audio equipment at all. If it's at this, at this, I think it's Clarion or something. I'm not, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, so that was going to be two thousand dollars. That's not even including the lodging. And looking at the reviews of the lodging, I hear something in the background. Sounds like somebody's opening up a box in the background.
1: That was me. Sorry.
0: Oh, it's okay. My bad. It's okay. Um, But the thing is, is that for the lodging, because Carol and I were not staying at that hotel because of the reviews that we wrote. So we were going to get a hotel room down the road. Mm -hmm. That was going to, at at minimum, that was at least another $400. So to perform here, we're looking at close to $3,000 to perform at this event, and then we have to pay at the door to get in to perform at this event. <laughs> that's how desperate they seem, or that's how desperate they are for revenue. They have to pay, they have to charge the people performing at the conventions. Now, I don't know if that's bad management on their part. I don't know if that's well, standard.
1: What What I understand is that, that that's kind of standard. If you're doing, you know, MetroCon's... Um uh, because uh, I spoke at Metrocon, okay, this this year, and their their gig is very simple. If you are doing four panels, you can get free admission, but if you're only doing one panel, then yeah, you're gonna pay to get in. So you know, if if you are a you, you know you have the ability to provide good solid content, then you know, and be part of their program, then they will let you in for free. But but you, you can't just, you know, flip off, do, you know, a one-hour presentation to six people and, you know, get in for free. So I totally get that, and I think that's a great plan. Uh, and, and we're actually adopting something like that for Ethertopia.
0: Well, so that, that brings yeah. us to... So all of this had happened to you. Yep, yep. Then... July 13th, 2019, never was magazine. Nick Ottens published my article, The Steampunk Political Guillotine Machine. Yep. And the floodgates opened. Yep. One of the things that I have experienced is six or seven individuals reaching out to me and saying, thank you. That is exactly my experience. I have had similar experience. That is what has happened to me on my end. And there's this notion, whereas you have to be on board with whoever they are, whoever is running um, the convention. We'll use the convention or event. You have to be on board with them 100% or else...
1: You know, I I don't think it's even. I'm, I'm I mean that that's not what I'm experiencing because of course I'm the one creating the event. I'm not asking so anyone. to You're on the other
0: end me. of that. But I, what yeah. I mean, what I mean is not every event planner. But I am seeing that this is now more. Is is it even the majority? It's it one is too many. Okay. Okay. I put in another application for another convention the future of steampunk somewhere here in the Northeast. And my application form was lost because the woman, I called her steampunk Dawn in this piece that I wrote for Nick Otten's website. And I got into a fight over voting in this past midterm election. Right. And I started a discussion saying I am, I feel so disenfranchised by the two parties, I am leaning more third party. Especially here in New Hampshire with local politics. Mm -hmm. This woman is in the New York, New Jersey region. And she's demanding that I vote for her political party. Or else.
1: It it has moved from... I don't like you because you voted for the other person to you have to vote for my person. And that is a massive shift in psychology. It sounds very simple, but it's like it it goes from we disagree to you must conform. Yeah. And what part of punk is about conformity? You want to talk about the, the antithesis of all of this movement. This is, these are all supposed to be punk movements, right. and yet you're telling me I have to conform in order to play in your backyard? Hang on. Where is this yeah. coming from? And, and why does any of this, any of this come into play? You know what? I am the first person to call for a boycott of Amazon. Okay. I And I have done so. Why do I do it? Because Amazon has a history of destroying businesses. They will lose money year after year after year until you are gone, and then they will monopolize your market. And that, to me, is an evil business practice. I don't care if Jeff Bezos is red or blue. That's not the point. I don't care if Jeff Bezos sends donations to Planned Parenthood or if, he's, or if he spends every you know, Saturday evening at Chick-fil-A. I don't care. I care about the business philosophy and practices and if I support them. I buy organic food from organic valley farms because they have business practices that I support. When I decide that somebody doesn't deserve a paycheck because of their political beliefs or philosophies – I have now stepped 100% into the phone booth of fascism.
2: Hallelujah. Amen, brothers.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Another small country heard from. (laughs) Uh.
0: (laughs) But, I mean, we have seen this on social media. We have seen for people call for other people being deplatformed. This August yes. and, and this August is going to be the 1 year anniversary when Will Wheaton quit Twitter because I can't remember is it Scott Joe what 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 is what is the guy the guy who runs Twitter what's his name would not ban Alex Jones. Now, here's the thing. You don't have to follow Alex Jones. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, I, I, I like once in a while reading what Alex Jones has to say as a barometer to how how weird 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 can get.
1: Well, that makes you a member of the alt right, right there. Okay, I mean that's all there is to it.
0: Probably
1: <laughs> because you have read Alex Jones. I don't agree I mean, <laughs> with.
0: I don't agree with ninety percent of it. I don't agree w- with almost anything. Alex Jones says. But just by checking up on Alex Jones... Yes. It's like it's like the National Enquirer or the World News Daily. It's like, what weird celebrity gossip is going hey, on? It's like if you read the uh, National Enquirer, Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes are thinking about getting back together again. Does that mean... But you
1: know what? That There was that one time when the National Enquirer was the only one talking about that presidential candidate yes who was having an affair okay and guess what even a broken clock is right twice a day yeah exactly and so and and one of the things is what kind of hubris arrogance must you have that you can say absolutely none of my critics can be right about anything so i must ignore everything they say what kind of i i i I just just flaming jerk and and narcissist must you be to believe that none of your critics can possibly be right think about that no Whenever I am interested in researching a theory, I don't care what theory it is, I will put in the name of the theory. Let's say it's, um, uh,
0: Flat Earthers. uh,
1: space aliens, okay, in South America, okay. Let's just take, you know, the Nazca lines, okay. I will put Nazca lines, aliens, and then I put the magic word at the end, debunk. Put the word debunk at the end. And guess what you get? Now you get everybody telling you what's wrong with those ideas. Now you can actually start your filtering process because you aren't getting 100% of the propaganda about why it's right. You can actually maybe find a kernel of truth in there that says what's wrong with the idea. But if we deplatform all of these people who are willing to say, hey, I think this is wrong, for whatever reason, and whatever their other opinions may be on other subjects, then we are risking the worst kind of Orwellian totalitarianism.
0: Is it any surprise, or is it a coincidence, synchronicity, that this year the book 1984 is celebrating 70 years in print? Seriously. I
1: think, you know, I've looked at that book, and I've looked at it again, and I've said, good Lord, the powers that be, whatever you want to call it, you know, are using it not as a warning, but as an instruction manual. Exactly. I,
0: one of the, and, yeah, go ahead, please.
1: Everything in there that, that, that Orwell assumed we would be, you know, fighting and biting and kicking to avoid... We're running out to the mall and throwing down our credit cards to bring home with us.
0: Exactly. Then that's a scary thing. John, you you have a similar experience. Do we want to get into the Supervillain Summit and what happened with that? Because your story and Anthony's story are eerily similar.
2: Yeah, I I do have a similar story. My my story started uh, about a year ago, a little over a year ago, when um, and and this is where it gets interesting, Anthony, you know, in, in our Nashville community, not only have we seen toxic fandom uh, taking over, but we are seeing people, you know, progressive liberals on the left cannibalizing each other and. I am not part of that community. I am, I'm a libertarian, conservative-leaning libertarian, and that's my first mistake, right, uh, in that community. But uh, about a year ago, um, and he would not mind me mentioning his name because it's pretty public, uh, Lucas Leverett, who was the founder of uh, MTAC, Middle Tennessee Anime Convention, and uh, GMX, two of the largest geek community events in the southeastern United States, MTAC is still huge, not quite at the level it was when he uh, left. But, you know, the guy knows what he's doing. He'd come on board to uh, Hypericon and grew it from, you know, 50 people to over 600. But one woman from 20 years ago made an accusation. About something that happened 20 years ago that was inappropriate, non-consensual, yada yada yada, and the first thing that this convention did was immediately just fire him. They didn't investigate, they didn't check the veracity of her claim, they didn't, you know, ask him what really happened, there was no due process. And, And I said that was wrong. I said, guys, come on. We we don't know if this is true. We don't know, you know, if this is just a, a vendetta against him. This is something that happened 20 years ago. You know, he's not the same person he was then. You know, the the way you're handling this is absolutely the wrong way to do this. And then two weeks later, they book a guest for the convention who has a long documented arrest record for inappropriate behavior abuse and just shenanigans and i stood up again and i said whoa guys this is the height of hypocrisy you railroaded one of your own but because this person is a big time celebrity you're just going to it, it, you're just going to Turn a blind eye? What, what what's going on here? Yeah, exactly. And that was the wrong thing for yeah. me to do. And I immediately was branded a uh, a misogynist, a sexist, uh, a homophobe. Uh, don't know where that came from. I was the best man at a gay wedding. Um, what, what else? Uh, and and obviously I must be a racist because you know I I believe. Uh, in individualism and and the exceptionalism of the human spirit Uh, and I would rather see people off of welfare than grow the welfare roles that makes me a racist and so a power couple in Nashville um, jumped on this bandwagon um, a steampunk power couple that everyone listening would know exactly who they are former colleague of mine um, they, they started spreading all kinds of rumors and um, doing a voxing campaign and one by one people joined on, you know, joined on to it. And um, at the end of the day, uh, we had planned a, uh, an event, not a convention, an event called the Supervillain Summit and this voxing campaign grew too big. And um, on May 13th, it it all started a dog pile for me supporting Lucas Leverett and continuing to associate with him and be friends with him and to collaborate with him. They started jumping all over me. And the end result was the venue that we were going to do the event uh, canceled the event on us. And um, oh my God! Yeah, and 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 several other things that we had planned, um, I I walked away from. I just said, you know what, guys, you, this is not worth it. Nashville does not deserve my talent. I'm done. You guys enjoy your little your little clandestine community, and uh, bye bye. And and that was, that was uh, that weekend of uh, May thirteenth, and uh, I, I just I, I shut down all the social media, and uh, just walked away from it.
1: I am so sorry. I'm so well, sorry you had to go through that.
2: Well, you know, it opened it, it my eyes, right? So I had been enduring that toxic fandom, and and look, I'm I'm one of these people that. If I don't agree with you politically or even socially, I, I don't let that affect my friendship or my working relationship with you. You know, I love everybody, and and that's to my detriment. You know, I uh, I people and love people unconditionally, and it's come back to bite me on the butt several times. Um, and and you know, so now it just opened my eyes that you know. This toxic fandom we had been talking about for a year has, is real, one, and it has real victims. And, yep. and, and it's got to change, and I, I fear that it's too late for it to change. And the end result is not just the death of steampunk, but the death of geek culture events in general.
1: Um, and I love to argue against you on that point, but I think this is a—we're a, a, at a turning point. And are we in a place? Now, you, you know what? There are there are parts of geek culture that need to change. There is a a predominance—a a, not a predominance, but a. A, uh, a permeation of the toxic masculinity, okay, in, in gamer culture, in the geek culture, in comic culture, it's in there. It is not appropriate in this day and age to, to objectify women the way many of the people who are in the geek culture, still do. And that stuff, you know what? That doesn't need to be accepted. But I won't say it doesn't need to be tolerated. Because, you know, I, I think somebody asked me once, you know, if you've got your event. Would you let Nazis into your event? And I'd say yes. I would let Nazis into my event because they're operating on the fringe. And in order to change their hearts, we have to coax them out of the shadows. We have to bring them in and show them a a different way of viewing things. See, my event, I consider it one of the most inclusive, socially aware and, quote, woke, unquote, uh, which is another phrase that's wickedly overused in the wrong in the wrong ways. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, but I I am so inclusive that people actually think uh, somehow that that makes it bad, and that that's the thing that really screws me up. Okay, is no, I, I'm not going to bar anybody if they're not going to bring their violence, and they just want to bring their ideas, more power to them. Because we have to have these discussions with people. Because when we shut them out and we wall them off, that is when they become a danger. That's when they become a threat. And this entire idea of de-platforming people, pushing them out, forcing them off Twitter and into parlay, okay? That, that is not actually opening any dialogues. That is not changing any hearts. That is reinforcing silos and echo chambers to the point where we can't talk to each other and you're never going to change a heart. People are never going to change in the geek culture if we, if we force this geek culture to echo back in on itself only with its with only its own ideas about what is appropriate way to depict women in stories or what is the right way, you know, to show blacks in stories or, or, or anything of this nature. And so for me, if, if we're organizing an event, we have, we have a greater responsibility to the overall community to bring everyone together, not just the people who can get along or they're going to punch somebody.
2: Yeah. Well, we, we've got these two extremes, right? We've got the the basement dwelling neckbeards, the, the toxic masculinity. Yep. And then on the other side, we've got the toxic social justice warriors who are just as bad, but on the extreme. Uh, they're extreme. And the people in the middle, the rational thinking, you know, honest, hardworking people, uh, they're, they're, we're, we're caught. and if we don't choose one side or the other, then we must belong to the other side. Um, yeah. And so so we get it from both ends, right? We get it from both sides. Yeah, but you know, like like for example, I posted and and this is what got me labeled as a racist. I posted that I think the cultural appropriation um, movement is a new form of segregation that people want to silo people and segregate us by race and gender and so they've created this term cultural appropriation to bring it to bring it about in a a nefarious way. And um, I do believe that. I, I don't you know I, I, I don't believe it's right to uh, make fun of a culture or to make a caricature of you know the Japanese or American Indians or whatnot. But you know if I want to wear a buffalo bone choker made by my Sioux friend, that shouldn't be seen as cultural appropriation because that belongs to so-and-so that should be embraced as oh my gosh we we are we are coming together as as a culture we are appreciating each other and loving each other and being one and unified in spirit but the opposite is happening and when i when i expressed that opinion i was clearly a racist that's
0: the most insane thing
2: multiculturalism uh,
1: yeah. is you know and okay like with every movement at with BLM with with the cultural appropriation um, with with you know the unholy patriarchy all of these things at their core at their beginning at their genesis have and and, and I'll even go straight to Colin Copernic, okay kneeling all of these things at their core have a a kernel of incredibly valuable truth that we must understand and that we should appreciate and that we need to be sensitive to i'm going to take cultural appropriation just to take the counterpoint from you for a second okay because at its genesis that movement was not about segregating people and you, you know you can't do this unless you are that wasn't that wasn't the point behind it. The point behind it, as I understand it, was white men and now white women are doing a phenomenal job of getting all of the book deals being written as if they were a person from India in the year 1894 Well that's but what- are you actually representing the view of a person from India in 1894 or is this a character are, are you just using that just like you're using you know curry powder okay in a recipe in order to make it Tastes like Indian food, and it's not even, and it's mac and cheese for God's sake. Okay, you just threw some curry in it. It's not Indian food. Okay, so that kind of thing, it's like, no, 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 you, you need an Indian chef to come in and show you the traditional methods of how to make a really good dal. Okay, and that's what you need. And that's what the original concept behind cultural appropriation because appropriation is an important word i am taking your culture and i'm going to use it for something that it probably does not actually represent now what happens with that what happened with glm what happened with colin copernic what happened with all these things is that that initial message which really is unarguably correct is then taken and pushed way beyond its original intent and is turned into a movement which always, always, always loses its truth and becomes its momentum.
0: The question that I've wanted to ask you two Mm -hmm. is something that I think that we're sort of dancing around, but we're not actually addressing – the actual true issue here. What happens to the alleged melting pot that this country was supposed to be? We were supposed to be able to um, assimilate all of these cultures into one great American culture. Because, I mean, we really don't have, here in the United States, we don't have traditions that are more than... Jeez, I'll say three hundred years. I'll just I'll be generous. Three hundred yeah. years. We don't have history dating back three hundred years for the United States of of America. The thing is, people have come to this country from all over the world, and I can go out and I can have Mexican um, burritos, authentic Mexican burritos, even here in New Hampshire, and then I can have authentic Chinese food, Szechuan food. The same night, also right here in New Hampshire. But now it's gotten to the point where everybody has to be compartmentalized, and I hate to say this, but this is true. Everybody needs to know their place, and stay in your station, stay in your lane. You're not allowed to be X, Y, or Z. If you're a Star Trek fan, and Marina Sirtis had said something about this that I thought was kind of appalling. You can't be a Republican and still be a star trek fan which i guarantee you that alienated probably somewhere between 40 to 45% of of, of the remaining avid star trek fans i almost said star wars fan would that not have been funny
1: <laughs> the thing it is it would have been done before yeah people <laughs>
0: people have varying political views and and I have this argument and I have this fight with some people to the point where some somebody usually quits. I'll usually realize this juice is not worth the squeeze. I understand the mentality of the people who voted not Hillary in 2016. Yep. I understand the people who looked at the ballot and said, the neoliberals with the the Clinton-Bush brand, for the past 30 years, just like what Thomas Frank wrote about in his book, Listen, Liberal, these policies have screwed us over for the past 30, maybe 40 years. Mm -hmm. Here's a guy who allegedly is a a business owner. He seems somewhat successful. I'm going to give him a try because everything else that we've done Hasn't worked.
1: You know, that income disparity I was talking about has occurred on their watch. Yes. And so supporting anybody that represents that status quo is just reinforcing that income inequality.
0: It started, I believe.
1: Just a side note. I
0: believe, I believe Uh, the income inequality disparity began under Nixon, could possibly under Johnson, but. I wasn't old enough. All the all of the presidents since Nixon has taken part in the decimation and the virtual extinction of the middle class here in the United States. Every president has, is, and I know that some heads are exploding. Reagan had a part of this, of course. Bush, Clinton's re- repeal of the. Oh, I almost um. The banking law. Come on, what is it? Um, Dodd-Frank. Dodd-Frank. No, no before, um, from the 1930s, yeah. after the crash of the Great Depression.
1: Glass-Steagall. Uh,
0: Glass-Steagall. The repeal of Glass-Steagall had something to do with the Hugely. income. Hugely.
1: I've worked in that industry.
0: Predatory loans had something to do with that.
1: Right. You know, but, but the point is to to say... And, and, and this is where you were coming from, or, or what you were talking right. about, was uh, because you had a different position on this, on this issue, you needed to be excluded from public life. Exactly. You, you aren't allowed to have a different position. And it's that kind of, of, of totalitarianism. I'm not going to call it um, fascism or Nazism or anything, because those are their own movements from right. their own times. Okay, but at this point, we are dealing with a um, a, a techno totalitarianism, and that is a frightening thing because it reaches into all of our homes, it reaches into all of our lives, and you don't just hear a rumor when you're down at the corner bar having a beer. Okay, that such and such a person might be such and such a kind of person. Now, you put it out on the internet. And 10,000 people hear about it in three minutes. And it is a, it, it's a terrifying place to be because some people believe that no matter what the facts are, they, and I'm bringing this right back to where I started, they have an anger and a frustration and an angst that is looking for an outlet. And they will pick whichever one it is And they will attempt to destroy it so that they can feel good about themselves.
0: Who's the easiest target to go after and be the scapegoat for your problems, the issues that you face today?
1: (laughs) Anybody but yourself. Uh, (laughs) Or the people you like or the people you agree with.
0: When I was in therapy, the one thing that my therapist made me realize that all of my problems has, has, has one person in common. And the thing no is, matter, is, is, yeah, I mean, every problem that I have has Eric Fisk in common. Eric Fisk no is... No matter
1: where you go, there you are.
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, the, so the thing is, I can either try and convince the world they need to change or I need to change... My attitude my perspective and realize there are some fights that are not worth fighting But I look at you guys Mm -hmm. The two of you and you two are the tip of the iceberg or the tip of the sword as far as I'm concerned from my perspective Because here are two guys the third person is not ready to um, Come out and say that he's experienced the same thing. There are three people who have been planning events and had their events Cancelled canceled by cancel culture because they don't have the right political views or they're not on board 100%. And the thing is, it, my issue, my problem is that I will come out and tell you I didn't vote for Donald Trump and I didn't vote for Hillary Clinton either. I went third party and I've had people on both sides of the issue vilify me as if somehow I'm the cause of all of this. In, in October of 2016, I took a serious look at all the candidates yep. before we went to vote. And I said, mm-hmm. there is only one person who closely resembles me and my values. I read Donald Trump's books. I read Think Like a Billionaire and Art of, the B- Art of the Deal at least 20 years ago. And when I read it then, I realized this guy's a bit of an idiot. And I don't think he actually wrote his own book. Even back then, I thought that there was something a little hanky about the guy. I read Hillary Clinton's It Takes a Village. And the things that she says in that book disqualifies her, in my opinion, from being president. Some of the things she says in that book disqualifies her from being a parent, much less uh, presidential material. (laughs) I can look at these two people. I can read their books and say, these people are bad people. But I can understand why you would think that this person is the right candidate for you. I I can look at you. I don't agree, but I understand where you're coming from. And I'm still the villain? How does that work? Johnny, you've been quiet for too long.
2: Well, I've just been letting you speak. But, you know, talking about the whole political thing, anybody who has followed my uh, social media knows I mean if they paid attention that I uh, I campaigned against Donald Trump I said he was a, a narcissist and uh you know an asshat I'm quoting myself now and that uh he would be a disaster and I'm gonna vote for anyone but Trump I was a never trumper but because I happen to agree with a couple of his policies that he's gotten passed because I've been the direct recipient of the benefit and I said okay so this is a good thing he did all of us now I'm a Trump supporter and because I'm a Trump supporter I have to be a racist I have to be a sexist I have to be you know a xenophobe and um, you know again just last week I think I posted something saying, All right, guys, this is not you know, kosher. You know, I, I've not supported a wall, but yet because I don't go march against him, I must be for him. I, I just I I'm at my wits end with this crap.
1: You know, I just saw a headline. That actually chilled me to the bone okay um and it read you know Donald Trump is a racist and if you still support him you are too and this is you know to me it's like it's (sighs) this idea that we must demonize and vilify those who disagree with us. And it's really easy to do with the left because look at what they're doing to our events. And it's, it's really easy to do with the right. Otherwise, they wouldn't have so many people doing it. Yeah. Okay. But the fact of the matter is, it's because it's just really easy to do. We are hardwired to think us and them. Our tribe, not our tribe, friend, foe, period. We're hardwired for that. And with the flood of information we get every day, you know, when I was in school learning marketing, we were like dealing with the fact that people would have 600, okay, uh, uh, advertising messages hit them a day and oh my God, they're swamped because it used to only be 300, you know, oh my God, oh my God. And now it's 3000 advertising messages a day. And you add to that all the media messages that you're getting about news and about events and about what they all mean. And you get all that stuff, and people are overwhelmed. And so we are defaulting back to our base instinct of us and them. And it is horrifying because... Under the pressure people are under, and I'm again, I'm going to bring back in incoming equality, okay, you know, just the, the complete lack of upward mobility, the obliteration of the middle class, the conversion of the middle class into the worker class, which really turns my stomach, okay. Um, when, when you have all of those pressures on, people are responding exactly as they are programmed to respond. And I know what I am asking people to do is stop following your base instinct of us versus them. Stop it. And start to engage in in dialectic instead of debate. Let's add our ideas together and come up with something better. And that is too subtle a message when we are at war right now with our own honestly our own economic system as has been developed over the last 40 or 50 years it, you can't expect people to do it and so how does it manifest itself it manifests itself in this in this blatant tribalism that we are yeah. seeing whereby if somebody has a platform somebody has a Facebook page they will use it to go out and slam anybody they perceive to be the other and they will take down events you know we don't have that many homegrown events and it's amazing Uh, God I saw this one person one of the people that was attacking me wasn't just me of course okay this person went out And posted on her platform that she heard that this small business owner who's got this small web store, okay, for cosplay fabrics, she heard that this person was also an admin on a pro-life page. This person hates women and needs to never be supported. And then... Dozens of posts underneath it. Oh my God, thank you so much for telling me. I was about to buy from her and now I'm going to go buy somewhere else.
0: That's awful. That's awful.
1: I heard a rumor that she was an admin. What kind of vile evil does that to another human being in this economy where it is so hard for anybody to make an honest living, which is why a lot of people go into politics, because it's not an honest living. <laughs> okay, but <yeah>. if <laughs> – I mean, hey, wait a minute. I can get rich doing this? Hell yeah. Uh, and I get great benefits. Right. Um, but why are we attacking the people and supporting places that are just gigantic conglomerates, forcing people to go to Amazon, which does nothing but destroy – industries for every job they destroy actually it's for every eight jobs they destroy they only create one and the one job they create does not pay $15 an hour I promise that's marketing myth most of his work is done by uh, subcontract workers who are making in the nine to $11 range right okay It's all propaganda, and everybody just floods there instead of supporting their local business because (gasps) I found out she might be an admin on a pro-life board.
0: And it's all based on rumor and lies. Yeah. And 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 you know what?
1: It doesn't even matter if it's a damn fact. Why should it matter? Why should she lose her livelihood? Because she feels differently about an unborn child than you do. Why? Why does she not have the right in this country to have a political opinion different from yours? Why should she lose her job? Why should her business be shut down? Because she disagrees with you. That is not what America was ever supposed to be about. We have done it many, many times in the past. We have had real problems. Oh, that's a black-owned business. We're not going to shop there okay I you know, oh, those are the Jews man we don't do business with them okay they have their own neighborhood uh, you, uh, I, I grew up in one of the most racist areas of the country I've ever been in and I'm sorry to say it's New England
0: oh yeah oh absolutely and it
1: is disgusting for them to sit there as the as the center of progressivism and enlightenment and also be the home of some of the most racist attitudes in the country. I don't care if those blacks have equal rights, as long as they have them somewhere else.
0: Yeah. Not that was
1: my Democrat stepdad's favorite saying. Yes. Except he didn't use the word black Used Yes. And he's a Massachusetts dyed in the wool liberal. Okay. So that's, That's what I grew up hearing, and that's what turned my stomach, thanks to Star Trek. (laughs) Yes. Star Trek made me go, hang on a minute. Are those people black on the left and white on the right? Or black on the right and white on the left? And you know which show I'm talking about. Oh, of course. Okay? I mean, okay? And how can Uhura be on the bridge mixing with all those other people if she should be down in some other section of the ship?
0: Or even on the ship at all.
1: Yeah, or, yeah, they need to be on their own ship. Right. Okay? Yeah, get get to the back of the shuttlecraft. I mean, you know, no. That's that's not what I learned from that stuff. And that's what this stuff can mean to all of us. And it's what can teach all of us. But if we stop people from coming in the door or from holding events because they might,
2: might have
1: a different political opinion from ours – then we are losing everything that Gene Roddenberry fought for. We are killing it. And we can't let that happen.
0: It's ama- we it's can't a- let it happen. It's also amazing how this is happening in science fiction communities as well. It's amazing how fans of it's not. It, it, this is one of the things that a lot of people have said to me replace the word steampunk with vintage. Replace the word steampunk with star trek. Replace the word yeah. steampunk with star wars. Yeah. Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter.
1: Geek culture.
0: Geek all of geek culture. Yes. has become so fragmented. To the point whereas you need to have and I think I think it was about 8 years ago I really noticed this phenomenon where two guys asked me to help them start a republican slash conservatives only forum for star trek and i would and i w- and i wouldn't do it i wasn't interested and for a very for i was also burned out on star trek as well if if you haven't heard yet the no- the notion is is that now these people with their own political party affiliations need to have their own groups. Whereas it's like, oh, I'm sorry, Um, those guys who are running that diesel punk group over there, we're going to start our own diesel punk group over there because we're not libertarians like they are. Um, That's becoming
1: more... It's the antithesis. Of what it all was supposed to mean and do. And we've lost it.
0: I want to if- ask the two of you a very important question. Because you guys know exactly who's doing this to you. You know the people who are spreading these lies about you. Yes. I have the screen captures for crying out loud. Is there any way that you guys, especially if you guys have invested money in this, could you go after these people in some kind of litigation saying, this person lied about me on social media. My event got shut down. I I, want to sue for damages. I want to sue for libel and slander.
2: Well what's the reality? I I can tell you I I can tell you the short answer and the long answer. The short answer, according to my attorney, is yes. I absolutely have a case. The long answer is you will spend far more money litigating this than you will ever see in return because the people you want to sue have no money and there will it will be wasted time, wasted money. And it's not worth it.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's twofold, okay? Uh, not only, yes, obviously it's libel, okay? And it is, and slander. And, but the issue is not um, whether it actually exists in those forms. The issue is proving the damages, which is very hard, okay, from a libel standpoint, um, proving that their actions actually hurt your event and to what extent. Now you, okay, uh, John, have got a much better, um, you know, claim because your event was completely canceled and you can point directly, you know, to to communications about that. Mine suffered from anemia coming out of the areas where these people are located. A very deep anemia. In ticket sales. From those areas. Um, and there's other factors. Like Megacon turning on me. Okay. That that certainly could be mitigating. In that case. But the fact of the matter is. Um, no. I, I wouldn't do it anyway. Because. Guess what. I have to practice what I preach. And these people. Also have a different political philosophy than I do they believe this is the right thing to do and the right way to do it I must engage with them and open myself up and be vulnerable with them so that we can have these conversations so that maybe Maybe their hearts can change because just like with the Nazis, just like with the alt-right, just like with Antifa, just like with, you know, the the BLM 2.0. If we don't engage with these people, then we are walling ourselves off from them and giving them exactly What they are trying to give us, which is an echo chamber in their own silo where they are not challenged and they cannot change their ideas. The question is, what is the best way to do that if. See, I'm not real big on taking people who are tearing me down and giving them a platform to speak. I won't let a Nazi get up on stage at my event as a as a speaker and get up there and espouse the virtues of national socialism. Okay? But where is the line where you can engage with these people and you can accept their feelings but perhaps not accept their methodologies and help engage with them. I don't know. Uh, but, but but that's my philosophy. That's my pacifism coming out again, okay, which says don't fight, talk.
2: Well, and I, I take kind of the opposite tact. I don't fight. I, I believe in the uh, you know Judeo-Christian philosophy forgive and forget. I've forgiven these people, but I've also forgotten them. So Eric, this podcast is the last time I have any recollection of any of these events. I am literally going to choose to forget them.
0: Wow. I I mean that's admirable. That 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 really is admirable.
2: Oh, and I'm going to completely forget the people. So next time if you ask me about so and so, If I say, I don't know who that is. I've never met her. I've never talked to them. It's not a joke. I'm making that choice.
0: Yeah. And I I respect you for it. And yet here on the other, uh, on my end, on my side, is that I'm wondering how can we, (sighs) combating it is the wrong word. How can we change this? How can we fix this?
1: Well, and, you know, you may be right, okay? The thing to do is (laughs) – there's a great old story um, about a – I won't go into the whole story, okay? But the bottom line is you don't let other people tell you how to behave. And so if this is our event and this is what we stand for and this is what we mean when we do what we mean – then we will do our best to continue to hold it in whatever way we can. And we will get that, you know, take, take that bushel basket off the top of our light and not pretend that we aren't inclusive, not pretend that we aren't tolerant, okay? I mean, not, we're certainly not going to fulfill their vision of us. We're going to be us, and we're going to make mistakes, and we're going to say the wrong things. And we're going to do the wrong things. And actually, I take that back. We're going to make mistakes. But doing the wrong thing is very different from making a mistake. Doing, doing something wrong means that, you, that there's a, an element in it that's wrong, like robbing a bank. Yeah. Okay, You know it's wrong, and you're doing it anyway. Making a mistake is an oops. I didn't realize that was involved. And we're all going to make mistakes. Anybody who can't forgive people for mistakes... That sounds like another kind of personal issue, okay? But we have got to go on and we've got to be the light. And we've got to be the healthy alternative to all of this hate, to all of this divisiveness. Even though it, it's wrapping itself in a blanket. I mean, it, Eric, you said it, okay? They, they are the problem masquerading as the solution, and I love that quote from your article, okay? But that is exactly what we're dealing with. And the only way we can do that is to be a brighter, cleaner solution and be the future. All hail Gene Roddenberry.
0: John, I I, I think the, the only question I have left is that how do we combat this when we encounter other people in the future who – try to do the same thing to us.
2: I don't know. I'll cross that bridge when I get to it. Great answer.
0: Yeah, that really is. It's what it, so um I've learned a lot from you two and you've really given me a lot to think of. Think about. Um and and maybe re examine my approach to how I'm I'm dealing with a lot of these issues. Um I mean, I'm happy that I wrote the article, and, I, and I'm very grateful to mm-hmm. Nick Ottens. It never was, for publishing it. Um. And I'm just going to have to just leave it at that, and then whatever happens in the hat, whatever happens in the future, happens in the future.
1: Yep. Um. Pick pick your guiding principle, find your compass point, and let that, you know, be how you you deal with those situations in the future. And for me, it's about using a dialectic discussion style, bringing ideas together and and culling them for the best, and it doesn't matter who brings them. I wish more people knew about the concept of argumentum ad hominem. Okay, which is basically, you know, play the man, not the ball, and that's wrong, that's not how you should argue. That's not how you should debate. It is, it is a logical fallacy. It doesn't matter who brings you the message. What matters is the quality of the information in the message. Um, but then just, just pick your guiding star. What do you want to stand for? Do you want to stand for inclusiveness and a brighter future? Then that's it. That's going to be your compass point. That's my compass point. So that's how I make my decisions about dealing with all of this. Which one brings me closer, inclusiveness and a brighter future?
0: That's John, it. John, do you, do you have a, a final word on this? Well,
2: I have nothing to add to that. That was great.
0: It really was. Well, I cannot thank you guys enough. This has really been a, a, a mind-opening experience. Like I said a couple of minutes ago, you guys have really given me something to think about. Um, and I just want to just thank you guys for being role models in the community. And I, I I know that you guys, um, the two of you are, are, have been beaten up in the past. Um, but I, I think that people are going to look back at this and I think that they're going to be proud of the way that you handled it.
1: Well, thank you. Um,
0: so thank you guys. (laughs) Uh, So, I mean, thanks for having
1: me. My pleasure. Appreciate it.
0: Is there anything that you want to promote, Anthony, now that you're here? I mean, is there anything that you where, – where do you want us to follow? We
1: have we have um, the, the Ethertopia events being rebooked. Keep your eye on, on, on the website and the Facebook page. Okay, we have some amazing announcements coming out about that. I could not be more excited. Um, I've We've brought in a professional event planner to take this over, and it has just been – Such an eye-opening experience for us. It's been phenomenal. Um, The Omega Contingent, the audio drama that we do, season two is getting ready to be released. So you can hear for that. Season three is being released as a novel. So you'll be able to buy season three uh, as a book. Um, And there is something else coming up that we are about 99% buttoned down on right now. And I will have to talk to you guys about it later. But let's just say it is huge.
2: And we'll leave it at that.
0: How about you, John? What what do we got going on on your end?
2: Well, we just started the uh, new Diesel Punk Podcast live video. Uh, Looking for some co-hosts in Nashville to join me on air. Uh, This is not... uh, replacing or getting rid of anything that already exists. It's just going uh, in some new directions. And of course you know the super secret project that I can't talk about yet. I do. But uh, once I can talk about it, uh, it will uh, I think it will create a brand new excitement for Dieselpunk and could revolutionize the genre in a way that uh, we haven't been able to do yet.
0: That's also awesome. Um, one thing I also want to do, and I want, I, I want to nail down a date and time. We have got to do the fifteen-year retrospective of Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow.
1: Oh my God! We've mm, it's been that long.
0: It's been that long. <sighs> we have got to sit down, get the gang together, and do an hour, two-hour show on. Sky Captain the World of Tomorrow and how did it change Dieselpunk? For better well,
2: Eric, or worse. <clears throat> Let, let's you and I talk about that. Yep. Uh, we'll we'll set the date and we'll invite the participants and who can join us can join us and who can't, you know, we, we can't herd cats on this one.
1: <laughs> is there is there any way you can set up so that it's actually a live stream but our silhouettes are like in the movie seat rows as we're commenting on it through it? because i think that would be absolutely hysterical to have an mst3k thing going on with it
0: we would actually have to research that that yeah we would also i think we would also have all of us would have to be together in the same place to do that too
1: oh heavens no that's what technology does uh i think
0: the only problem with that would be the lag because there is there's there's a i think sometimes there's a 30 second delay
1: yeah, they're, they're, We have the lag. We also have that whole like copyright issue thing yeah. with showing the movie. Uh, <laughs> all right. Thank you,
2: Eric. Thank
0: you. All right. You. Thank you, guys.
2: Right. Talk to you later, brother.
0: This has been a simulcast of the Fedora Chronicles radio show and the Dieselpunk podcast. You can find out more about us via our webpages, com and dieselpunkpodcast.com. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple iTunes, Player FM, SoundCloud, and wherever podcasts can be found. Be sure to leave us a review on these platforms, and we promise we'll read your comments and criticisms during our next recording. If your favorite subscription service doesn't carry the Fedora Chronicles radio show or the Diesel Punk podcast, let us know and we'll fix that as soon as we can. You can support the show by visiting our Zazzle page, zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. Exactly 12.5% of every purchase you make goes to keeping this and other shows on the Fedora Chronicles network on the air. Or you can become a Patreon. Click the Patreon link on our page. And for a mere dollar a month, you will get early access to this podcast, updates on what we're doing, and so much more. Thank you for all the support in advance, and thank you to all of our listeners who have contributed already. Once again, this has been Eric King Fisk reminding you that this has been the Fedora Chronicles radio show from the Fedora Chronicles Network. Copyright 2019, all rights reserved. And one last time, keep your chins up and your fedoras on.